Hey there, Amanda Smith here, and welcome inside another edition of How She Did It. I'm so excited to have you here with me. Make sure you subscribe, that way you never miss an episode. So today's guest is the Houston Astros field reporter. We talk about her career, her biggest influences, how exactly she got to where she is, and so much more. I'm so excited for you to hear it. Here is Julia Morales. here with Julia Morales. Thank you so much for making time to join me on the show today. Oh my gosh, of course. Thanks for having me. I actually did a little research on you whenever, uh, you know, Lana Rizzo and Sophia Minard, like these are, these are women that I love following and I love being around and I saw them pop up on your podcast and your show and I was like, look at these girls go. I love this and I love what you're doing. So when you reached out, I was more than willing to jump on. Yeah, little did you know that just a few moments later, I was going right. to slide into your DMs. You're like, oh, weird timing. No, I loved it. I love it. It's good to be here. You have this fun little bobblehead collection going on behind you. Which one is your favorite if you had to choose? So that's a really hard question. I actually get it a lot, but there are some some classics that I wish I, I don't want to like leave the room and grab them because they're in special places, but um, there's like, there's an orbit that's dressed up in an astronaut uniform that I'm obsessed with. I think it's the coolest bobblehead on the planet. There's also a George Strait bobblehead that I find very cool. And uh, Jimmy Wynn. Jimmy Wynn's like one of my favorite bobbleheads to have. The Astros did a few of them over the years, but there's one that in particular that I really like. This is like, you know, when you cover a team and you travel all over and you go to all the different ballparks, sometimes you just happen to land on bobblehead day at other yeah. places. So they don't really have like a specific meaning or I wasn't a fan. I didn't wait in line, but like, it's, it is really cool over the years, like who you end up with. And so I've kept them. There's also like Jordan Ventura who passed away that I happened to be in town for one of the years that, that he was pitching really well. And so anyway, it's just like, it's really cool. The collection that I've created um, kind of on accident. And of course, all the Astros ones, there's a ton of them up there as well. When did this whole little trend start? When were you like, oh, this could actually be something that I could display in my home? That was 2013. So I'm so right not when you a started? collector of anything. Yeah, that was my very first year. I'm, I don't collect anything in life. Like I, am, you I get rid of things. <laughs> I don't like stuff. Right. And so then in 2013, I just, I was just coming across these things in the Astros. I'm, I'm obviously there every game. So I'm there for every bobblehead day. And then I've had a bunch of them like, oh, gosh, what am I going to do with these are going to collect dust. Um, but then they, I found them to be really cool. And then, you know, it's like the years would go on and you'd look back at the ones that you had. And I was like, there's a Colby Rasmus one that I like a lot too. And, and Astros fans will remember this in 2015 when they went to the playoffs for the first time in 10 years, really big deal. Um, Colby Rasmus kind of lost his mind, took a shirt off in the, in the celebration, the champagne, he had his goggles and people, you know, dressed their kids up as him for Christmas that year <laughs> because they just found that, you know, that, that scene, that visual of him being like his crazy curly hair and his goggles and no shirt. And, and they found that to be really funny. Well, they were t that turned into a bobblehead. So it's like moments that I'm actually a part of that turn into bobbleheads that I find really cool. Honestly, my ultimate goal now is to get my own bobblehead, like a lot oh, of rocking yes. her own bobblehead. I'm so jealous of. So, 
yeah, so let's work on that. <laughs> Start a petition or something. Like, how do I okay, get one? I can help you with this. I will definitely <laughs> sign it and promote it and get like, I'll just walk around with a little paper. Will you yes. sign this petition for Julia's bobblehead? So cool. It would be so cool. I know Alex Curry has one in uh, Anaheim as well, and I'm just super jealous. So, you know, life goals right there. Your time is coming. <laughs> Fret not. <laughs> Thank you. So you've been with the Astros since 2013. Mm-hmm. But you have said that you always knew you wanted to be a journalist since you were like 10 years old. And you yeah. saw the media circus that surrounded your dad, Victor Morales, when he ran yeah. for U.S. Senate. But at what point did you kind of realize, I want to actually pursue a career in sports? So that's, that's a, it's a really good question because it, it's a story that I like to tell, especially to young kids, to girls uh, that are, you know, have no idea what they want to do with their life. But, you know, I was a little girl, I, you know, was not a woman yet when I wanted to be a reporter, I wanted to be on TV. And so my dream was just being on TV at that time, because I didn't know much else. You know, I, I found that that life of like the three, two, one red light in your face, you know, all of a sudden you're live to be so cool. So it was the entertainment side of things. I danced. Um, I grew up dancing. My aunt had a dance studio. My brother's who's now in entertainment. Um, we just, we grew up in a house that our parents kind of just like turned on the camera. We're like, well, you got kids like entertain us. And so we would make up dances and skits and, and things throughout our lives. So it was just like kind of what we knew and what we loved doing. So I wanted to do that. Now, you know, at the time I, I wasn't watching a lot of TV to be completely honest. People are like, I grew up watching this broadcaster or these sports. We were so involved in sports and in other things that we didn't watch a lot of TV. And so when I went to high school, um, learned how to edit at school, went to a small school. So there wasn't you know a lot for me to learn as far as journalism goes. When I went to college and I ended up at UT, so I went to Kilgore College first, a junior college because I wanted to dance, um, ended up transferring. That's when I got into a journalism program and it was the internships to be completely honest. And at college, I danced for that school as well. So Texas Palm, the girls in the chats, for those of you who are Texas fans or kind of know um, what what that is. I mean, we call ourselves that because it's very recognizable, our outfits that we wear, but it's a dance team. And I was there in 2005 when the Longhorns won the national championship. So as you can imagine, media everywhere, sports reporters everywhere. There's, you know, a lot of attention on the number one team in the country. And so I remember seeing women down there holding microphones and I'm like, wait, how did they get to be on the field? You know, like, what are they doing down here? So it was my, you know, it was my proximity to it and, and kind of seeing it then. Then, you know, starting to watch it again, like I'm not watching because I'm at the game. So I'm not picking up on the fact that women can be in sports just yet until my internship started. There was a woman, she was a weekend sports anchor at the CBS affiliate in Austin. And, and I give her a ton of credit because when I got that internship and I saw her in that job and in that chair and in that office, I'm like, hold up. That's what I want to do. Like the world stopped, you know, and I was like, why would I cover car crashes and all these, you know, like terrible, (laughs) terrible things every day when I could cover sports, what I, what I really love Um, as a person, you know, it's just, I grew up in sports and my, you know, it's just what we did. So putting it all together, it was kind of like this explosion of like, oh my gosh, now what? And I only had about a year and a half left. So I did a couple of internships with that TV station, really just studied hard started to research the other women. I think Erin Andrews was popping up on TV about that time to be a sideline reporter, which was like, wait, she's on a network? Like all of this was mind blowing. Um, And so I started, I put my reel together at UT. I 
threw it out there to as many TV stations as I possibly could, um, not just in Texas, but I happened to be lucky enough to stay in Texas for that first couple of jobs. I made no money and did the whole, you know, like carry your own camera, shoot your own stuff and, and edit your own stuff. I did all of it. Um, but I, I, it was just like the second that I realized you could do it, it was like, that's what I'm doing. And that's what I did. And, and here I am. I never really looked back and never really thought twice about like, this is, should I be doing this or why would I do this? It was just exactly what I wanted to do. So here I am all these years later, um, still doing it. And it's really cool to see so many other women in there, but it's also cool for me to share that, um, with other people that it's a job, you know, it's like, we're out here, we're doing this and we're very successful at it and you can too. So I think that's important for us. Through all of your experiences, what drew you to baseball? So the baseball was one of the sports I loved. And I go back to the fact that I did not watch games religiously, but we were Rangers fans growing up close to Dallas. Um, they obviously were a good offensive team in the years I grew up. I mean, to be completely honest, we were Cowboys fans in, in the household because the Cowboys were winning when I was growing up. And that's just, you know, you watch football, you went to football games on Friday nights, yeah. you went to football games on Saturday nights. Um, and, and then we, you know, sometimes we'd get out to the ballpark. But my love for baseball, like the true pure love that I have now started when I was in Austin, I was sports reporter there. So I covered baseball games and baseball teams up until this point. But when I got into Austin, the Round Rock Express were there, the affiliate, the AAA affiliate for the Rangers at the time were there. And they kind of, they needed someone that summer to be more of a beat reporter, to go out there every day. And it's a hard it's a hard job because there's, you know, long road trips for the minor league team and they wanted me to get a lot of content and save it and be able to turn it when the team was on the road. So, you know, the team changes a lot when it's in AAA. There's a lot of guys coming down from the, the majors doing rehab. There's a lot of guys who are very angry to just be in AAA. It was a very interesting environment. So I grew a lot and I learned a lot about the rules. I got really close with a coach there, one of the pitching coaches. And he was really helpful, answered a lot of my questions. I just had a good staff and it was a good group of people around me to help teach me the game, the real, like the real game. And, and then games inside the games, you know, it's like the minors is just a whole different ball game than the majors. So I kind of learned it inside out. And then covering that so closely, I, you know, I'm covering the major league team as well. When the Rangers went to the playoffs, I got to follow along. And I just, I found that sport to be so beautiful. And, and it was just a really cool thing to be around. So the Astros job popped up two years after doing this, a lot of it. And just kind of perfect timing, you know, I mean, I can't stress that, that enough. It wasn't like I wanted to be a baseball reporter. It wasn't like that wasn't in my head. It was just that job happened to pop up. I happened to be doing a lot of baseball um, through my name in the hat. They gave me a shot. And like, you know, it's like, I, what if they hadn't? There's just so many things in life, you know, you're like, well, how yeah. did that work out so perfectly? And it really did. Now, when I got to Houston, it was the worst team in the world that I was covering, um, but I was ready for it. And I, and I was ready to learn it on a major league level and cover them every day. And there was a, there were challenges. Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of challenges to start, but, but thank God I stuck with it because I just saw them go from the worst to the best yeah. in over a few years and now covering one of the best teams to be around. Yeah. You know, to have kind of watched that progression of the team, what are some of the moments that stand out to you most in your time there? The beginning does stand out. You know, it's like a lot of it. I feel like I tried to black out some of the bad days as far as just like <laughs> there were really long stretches of losses. There's just loss after loss, but there were some really good times in there because if you think about it, it's a lot of first time for 
you know, a lot of first hits, a lot of first strikeouts, a lot of first wins. And, and we celebrated it like you wouldn't believe because we had to. It's all we had. And, and so for Jose Altuve to go from just a guy on the team to in 2014 going for a batting title, I mean, we didn't have any other stories to cover. So we were all in on Altuve every day just to see if he was, he was going to keep that batting average to where it needed to be all the way to the last day of the season. It just kind of kept us going. Um, turns out that that run for him in 2014 would catapult him and turn him into an AL MVP a few years later. Um, so, you know, I have to, I I always look back. I always look back at some of those moments and some of those games that, that we had and some of the tough times too. It was like, they lost 15 straight games to in 2013. We could not get out of that season fast enough. And all of it made us stronger. So, you know, I mean, quick moments. Mike Fires on a no-hitter in 2015 at Minute Maid Park was really kind of like, oh, my gosh, this team is, is something special. They're winning some games. They, you know, they, they no-hit the Dodgers, which is really, really cool for the Astros, a team they don't really get to play a lot. It seemed like a really good team. They were a really good team, still are a good team. Um, but that seemed like a really big deal at the time. Them getting to the postseason, as I mentioned, with Colby Rasmus going nuts, um, just the – the celebration that day, like the pure joy and, and some of those guys going for the very first, most of those guys going for the first time, Springer, Correa, Lance McCullers, Altuve, all of them getting their first taste of the playoffs. Um, and then, you know, 17, I, 17 through now, it's so hard to just pick. It seems like every day they were doing something historic or really cool. I will never, ever, ever forget the parade as long as I live. That's not just like one of my coolest career moments. That's like one of my coolest life moments, especially all that we've gone through with Harvey here in Houston and, and seeing those streets filled with people in orange and people crying and the signs that they had made that said, you know, it's just we, we beat Harvey and we beat the, the Dodgers. I mean, it's just like the cool things that I remember along the way um, here in 2019. They won 107 regular season games. What? And then covering Justin Verlander's no hitter after, you know, we'd talked so much about him being so close and he's obviously really good at this point in his career and, and, you know, pitching very strong, but like getting it and us being there and, and I'm witnessing with the, you know, with him and standing there for the walk-off interview. And it's just like, he's such an intense guy. And so, you know, just doesn't, he doesn't just kind of lose it ever but he kind of lost it in like a giggly, oh my gosh, that really happened and, and stuff like that. I will just never forget. And I'm just so grateful to, to be so close to it because it's really, really special. And we don't know how long this stretch will last, uh, but we're definitely enjoying it right now. I know that a, a lot of young broadcasters, shout out to y'all, watch my little podcast show here. Um, and so now they see you as the Astros reporter, but I feel mm -hmm. like in this career, just in general, there can be a lot of inconsistencies, especially early on when you're just starting out. Were there ever any moments where you sort of had to push past those feelings of confusion? That's a good question. Um, you know, I talk about the, the beginning of my career and, and, I'm not really having to, not really thinking like, is this not for me or not? And just, right. I never really had that. I was just so strong willed and like, I'm, I'm here. This is what I'm doing. Um, I like, it's like, what was I thinking? Like, why wasn't I a little more like what, what's going on here? Why That's a great do thing. I think this is a good idea? Will I keep finding more jobs? I mean, I felt so lucky to get that very first one. And then it was like, then you had to find another one. You can't stay there forever. I mean, $15,000 that first job. And it's like, how long are you going to keep this up, Julia? You can't pay for anything. You're starving. Like you got to get out of here. Um, so, you know, just lucky enough to keep it going. It's just, 
No, I mean, the, the job that I'm in now, I, there were challenges, you know, and I think about um, just the amount of games that we have to work and the travel schedule and how hard this job really is that we're doing and the sacrifices that we make. Um, yeah. I mean, I, there are times where I think about it and I'm just like this, this is either hard. Can, can I sustain this family life, personal life? You know, it's like, I could, I could get really deep into all that. Um, but it, it's, I, it's just, I love it that much. I think it's worth it. And I've just kind of powered through all the things that maybe weren't perfect or, or I didn't like about it. Um, but yeah, no, I've just found to get into a really good groove. It's why, I mean, it's, it's rare. I know you've talked to a couple of baseball reporters who've been in the gig for a while now. That was not the case. Say five years ago, people were kind of just in and out of jobs one year here, one year there, moving on. What's the next thing? Um, we've all, the ones you've talked to, we found a good balance and and then you know being able to do it year after year you find yourself in a really good home like all of a sudden you've made a home and and that's a little scary too because you know it's we were always told like what's the next big thing where are you going i mean it's you gotta keep going up and up and up but like why can't we just stay and really build something special and build something with the fans and have a relationship and for me like now I'm, and I'm just going on a tangent now, this is what I do for a living. I, I talk. love it. Um, but you know, it's like you, you plant yourself. I I'm starting to do charity now and you can't do that when you're bouncing from one city to the next, you know, and I've really been able to reach out in, in the community. And like I said, Harvey, Harvey doesn't mean much to someone who's in and out in a year. It means something to me who you know lives here and has a home here and was freaking out just as much as everyone else about water being in my house. Um, so, I mean, all of that. And I think all of that fans can relate to, viewers can relate to. And so we're all in this together. And I think that's really special. So, you know, yeah, was this is this a hard job at times? And are there crazy things along the way that I find hard? Yeah, all of it. But like, I don't know. It's just there's so many wonderful parts of this job. And I've really found about and really lucky. Um, and, and I think that's what keeps people in these jobs is is that we find a way to to make it last and to make it our own and, and to find a way to be happy through all the craziness that is being a, being a woman in sports and having a job in sports, I would say for sure. I've got to ask you the meaning behind your shirt for those listening and not watching. It oh. says she doesn't ask questions during ball games. She answers them. Where did you get that? So this is baseballism, which I love. And I go visit them every time they have a really cool store. Um, I think, I don't even know how many stores they have now they've like exploded, <laughs> but they have teamed up with teams now. So you can actually, there's one in Boston, right by Fenway. There's the one, this, this was one, uh, this story I always go to AT&T park. We, we don't play the giants. I say we, the Astros don't play the giants all the time, but we obviously stay right there when we play the A's. And so I always pop in. So the shirt, like it kind of makes sense for us because, yeah. you know, it's like, we, we do answer them on TV. Like, I don't know. It's like, it it's for the fan, like the, for the female fan that loves the game that sit in the games and can tell you keep score but I'm like I actually do ask questions like <laughs> that's why I find it funny because I'm like okay I answer them on you know I'm like I do both I answer yeah. but I also ask questions to the players so that's why I find the shirt really funny and unique to us but um yes right I do like the shirt I, I like it there's more shirts for us you know I find a lot of them now and I'm just like yes like there's a whole and it's not pink I mean yeah I can't handle the pink stuff. And so when somebody makes like a legit shirt, I'm like, yes, thank you. I Next thing you know, <laughs> your bobblehead is also popping up in those stores. Okay. 
I have a lot of faith. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, don't go anywhere. Coming up on the other side, Julie and I are playing a quick little game. Yes, it's going to be quick. You'll see why. Stick around. Welcome back inside How She Did It. Still here with Julia Morellis. And we are playing a game of 30 seconds. So I will set my timer here for 30 seconds. We'll try to get through as many questions as possible. And you might be really good and maybe we'll run out. We'll see. Oh, no. That means I have to be short. Okay. I'm glad you told me this. Well... (laughs) We'll see. Sometimes that's the hardest part. All right, here we go. Okay, ready? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, this almost stopped recording. Don't worry, everyone. We're fine. Okay, here we go. 30 (laughs) seconds. Favorite ballpark food? Oh, man. You're going to throw that at me. There's a burger at PNC Park that has a Krispy Kreme donut as the buns, and it's got like an egg on it. It's like a breakfast burger it's yeah. so good. I wish I had one right now. Yes. <laughs> what would your walk-up song be? So there's Beyonce, Flawless, but like the H-Town part, because we're Houston. There's like a part, you know, the beginning part. Um, or Foxy Lady by Jimi Hendrix. Okay. Coolest field outside of Houston? T-Mobile, AT&T, Target Field. Describe Orbit in one word. Furry? <laughs> <laughs> Green and I was like, Sorry. Okay, we're so past 30 seconds, but I'm asking the final three. Weirdest thing you've done for TV? Eat grasshoppers where the Hall of Fame mascot legends race, get up the yeah, the whole thing in Oakland. Actually ran the race. Um, almost broke my back. And let's see what else have I done. I've done it all. I mean, you name it, anything there is to do. So I've raced the freeze virtually because I couldn't race them side by side. I had to like time myself on the warning track and then they put us to nuts. Um, What else have I done? I've done it all. I mean, I've done it all. You name it. If it's silly at the ballpark, I've done it. Oh my gosh. Right there. (laughs) Do you have any superstitions? Not really. I mean, I just have, like, I I sound like a player when I say that. I have my routine. Gosh, that's what they like always tell me. game day routine. Me I just said it. You know, yeah, like, know. I have my game day routine. Yeah, right. Like, I have to put on makeup, obviously, for the, I, I like to log. I like to hear, like, that's something I can't, I feel like I can't have first pitch happen before I log things that AJ Hinch, the manager, said, or some of the players, just because that's a big part of me being ready. And on the spot, we have a great broadcast team, and, Todd Callis, our play-by-play guy, is awesome about bringing me in a lot. Um, that also means I have to be ready all the time for any to give him any information. So I like to write stuff down because it helps me remember it. And then I can regurgitate it without having to, like, look through notes and stuff. Okay, there we go. So secret That's of being it. a sideline reporter right there. That was the, a day in the life of a sideline reporter. Thank you all for tuning in. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, last one. Biggest okay. influence on your career. By my dad, has to be dad. Dad not only got me, you know, seeing what media was, made me fall in love with it by bringing me around to, you know, his campaign and everything, but he also has the gift of gab. He can talk, he can stand in front of a crowd, he can give motivational speeches, does not have a script, never had a script for any speech he ever gave on the political campaign, and, um, and stuck a camera in our face our entire lives and told us to go get him. Show me what you got. Um, so here I am. I mean, he made me anchor with him as a little kid. We would make videos at the dining room table. My mom would dress me up in like her big 
blazers from the eighties with the shoulder pads and then like put my hair up and my put pearls on and we'd sit and we'd have scripts on the, on the table, on our kitchen table. And we'd toss back and forth to each other. I'm like, yes, Victor, I'd call him by name and ridiculous. I was eight. So yeah, here I am today. Thanks, Dad. Thank you, Victor. <laughs> now coming up. Here is your traffic report. Exactly. My brother would do traffic. Oh, we did. We did it all. Oh, it was so it was a whole family broadcast. Oh yeah, my brother was in. Oh, he would just do weather and show us around. Yeah, we were ridiculous. We still do Christmas videos. Maybe you've not seen our Christmas video. I'm gonna send it to you. you please Instead do. of Christmas cards, we do Christmas videos, and we put together. I mean, like. We choreograph dances, have costumes, um, do a little editing. We have to keep it under a minute thanks to Instagram, but uh, but they're pretty funny. I'll send you one. Okay, perfect. So now I'm on the cool exclusive list and it's like perfect time that we did this <laughs> holiday season coming up. I'm on the Christmas card list from the coolest yes. family is what I'm learning. <laughs> yep. I'm very excited. And Yay. maybe some of you will get one too. Coming up, Julia's answering your guys' questions. Stick around. Welcome back inside How She Did It. Still here with Julia Morellis. She has not left yet, and now she's answering some of your questions. So, Jason Shep says, what do, you, what do you think is the biggest misconception about your job? Oof. I think... A lot of people might see it as a job or maybe we're just doing the walk-off interview or, you know, the, her job is just to interview the player after the game or, or whatnot. Um, I will tell you that we are doing so much more work than that. And that's the, like, if you ever have a chance to shadow any one of us, you'll learn very quickly that it's, um, it's an all day affair. We're at the ballpark all day and we are working, um, but we are gathering a lot of information and not all of it gets, most of it doesn't ever make the broadcast. So what people don't know is that we're helping out our play-by-play -play guy or analyst with information. Um, you know, my producer and I will talk over things that I've heard and talk to players about during the game. I see all kinds of stuff that I can't say, but it does help with context or things that we can show, not show. I mean, we're our work, it never stops. And then the fact, you know, the interviews, yeah, we, we do do the interviews and then we go to the clubhouse and keep interviewing. I mean, it's just so much more. I think that people realize that what we do um, to help the broadcast and to make it better. Uh, we are very, very crucial part of everything just because we are the eyes and ears. Like when, when they call us a field reporter, we really are. We're, we're one of the very few that's down there and has the time to be down there. Um, yeah. And then traveling is, is hard and that is a legit part of our job. And we are, we are in the trenches with the guys all season long. And I don't know if people really understand just how hard that part of our job is as well. We don't sleep. No. We drink a lot of red wine too. Oh, well, that sounds great. <laughs> it counterbalances, like it balances out. That's how you survive. I but I drink a lot of red wine, so I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we have Randy McKee. And well, actually, you just kind of talked about this, but maybe you can go into it a little bit deeper. Um, mm -hmm. He or she says, Where do you get your info for your reports? We enjoy your knowledgeable and fun reporting every game. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, no, it, it's accumulated over the year, you know, over the years, too. I mean, you know, that's the, the other perk of being someone that's been around the team for seven years is I have all kinds of stuff in my back pocket on, on when people got to the team, what kind of relationships they built, what they worked on in 2014 and why it's 
you know, why they're changing it in 2019. And, and all of that helps you um, be a very, very good reporter. That's, that's why I think, uh, you know, someone that's been around a long time can be so valuable to the broadcast. And then, you know, like, yeah, like I said, day to day, I'm, I'm in everyone's ear. I'm asking everyone a lot of questions now. And most of it will, you'll never hear it in a way that I'm going to stay on camera and hold a microphone and say it, but you'll, you'll hear it, whether it's, through a graphic that's posted up or something that I did earlier in the game. And maybe it's a conversation that we have later. Maybe it's a question that I end up knowing to ask that player to get that information out of him for the viewers. You know, there's just so many ways you're getting the information that I am trying to, to, you know, gather for you. Um, and it's a lot, <laughs> there's a lot of moving pieces to all of this, but it's a relationships that is so important in this job. You know, it's hard in the very beginning to have people trust you and to tell you things. Um, and then you start meeting families, you start meeting hitting coaches, um, you know, their high school teachers, you know, people that know these players and coaches to, to give you a little more insight and, and give you a little piece of information that no one else has. And, and it could be grandparents. I mean, you name it. It's really cool over the years that the people that I've gathered information from, not just the actual player themselves. But yeah, that's how I get some of my info. How have you built those relationships over time? It's, you know, that's so key in being, you know, and having success in, in the industry. And I know it's, it's like that in most industries, but to, to be the only female that travels with this club, you know, if you think about it on a, on a charter plane that has 65 people, there is one female and that happens to be me. And when I first got the job, I was 27 years old, 26 years old. And, um, so young, you know, young and ready to go, lots of energy. And then you're on in this world where you don't really have anyone to turn to or talk to. There's, like, there's no girlfriend to go have a glass of wine with. Um, I became very close with the broadcasters as, you know, Bill Brown, who's a legend in Houston, Alan Ashby, Jeff Blum had, were so great to just bring me in as part of the family. And so I was, I just quickly became part of the family and part of the team. I'm here to do a job started getting to know these guys, you know, really it's every day I'm around them, but if you're not talking to them every day, you don't really get to know them. So you're missing an opportunity. Now, do I go up to them every single day and bug them? Like, how are you? What's going on in your life? But no, but when I come across these guys, I don't always have baseball questions. And I think that's where I build the relationships. It's I want to know about their wives. I want to get to know them. I want to know about their kids. I want to know where they're from, you know, I start figuring out a little bit, little bits and pieces here and there, and then I can actually put together a story one day. And, and that goes a long way with them. I don't, you know, I'm, I, they learn to trust me because I, you know, my questioning, the way I question them, I'm different than your average journalist in that, in that clubhouse, given that I am a team reporter, we are broadcast partners, partners. Um, I am not out to get guys. I'm not, you know, and the, the more I can explain that to people, I want to share with them that I, you know, if there's anything I can do for them to promote them, to promote their foundation, any events coming up, I am here for you. And I think um, that really helps, you know, them trust me and then get to know me and then share information that maybe they wouldn't with anyone else and over the years. And so that's where our exclusivity comes in, you know, and that's where we start to have stuff that no one else does because these guys really do trust me. And I can get some stuff that, again, there's some stuff that I can't share and all that, but, but in that it's just building that trust, building that relationship. And it's really, really hard when you have to start watching these guys leave and get traded. I mean, you, you really do build friendships and relationships. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a great part of the job also. One of the tougher parts of the job if you're starting out, it's a, you know, it's one I, I preach to the young, 
younger girls and guys of, of jumping in this. It's um, just stick with it. Not everyone's friendly and ready to bring you in, but but you can only be so professional. I mean, you, you do you, but also good luck. I mean, it, you just don't know how it's all going to play out. And, and if you do it the right way, then you can be successful for a very long time. When you first started your job with the Astros, kind of how you said you're the only woman on a plane filled with 65 plus men, was that at all intimidating for you? Uh, so maybe a little bit in the beginning, just like the, you know, you look around and you're just like, okay, this is it. And, you know, if they're, I, they were so great. And I, I will yeah. say that the teams that I was covering, I, I was maybe fortunate in that it, I eased in with a team that was very young and a lot of guys who were kind of looking around the same way as like, oh my gosh, I'm in the big leagues because it was that team that was just up and coming. They were constantly calling somebody up. These guys are, most of them are not, did not make it after that. You know, it's like the way the team was rebuilding, they, these guys were getting really good opportunities um, to be on a big league club. So maybe... I came in at a really great time to kind of ease me into that, but I never felt uncomfortable. No one ever treated me wrongly. Um, so I, I'm also very, very lucky in the Astros being just a great organization. And then when guys started to, the older guys come, you know, come on the team or the veterans started showing up, I had already been there, done that. Like, welcome to my world. This is my clubhouse. So, you know, I was the way I acted and the way I carried myself, I was very comfortable. I was very confident. So when a Carlos Gomez shows up, who's got years of experience, you know, very uh, big personality, like I'm not about to just meekly walk up to this guy. I'm about to tell him like, I'm Julia, I'm the sideline reporter. You're going to see me at every game. Welcome to the club. You know, tell me a little bit about your family and, and let's get to know each other. Um, so I think I, you know, it was just, it, it was a really good time for me to, to come in just because I, I, I felt like we all kind of grew up together. So no, you know, like overly intimidating, overwhelmed, like, no, I was honestly overwhelmed by things like the, the, the travel, like honestly, yeah. the every single day and the fact that we had to come up with several different angles every single day. It was the amount of work that I went from, you know, it's like you go from having a couple of days off a week to, I didn't know when the next day off was going to be. And I was thinking like, okay, it's April, like, Maybe in July, I'm going to have a couple of days off, um, you know, getting moved in, finding your way around a new city. Um, I think I ran out of money at some point in the beginning because I couldn't get my bank. I mean, like stuff like that, I, I think back and it's like, that's the overwhelming part of it. It was never just the pure, like I'm in a room full of men because I'd been doing sports years prior and it was mostly men anyway. Um, just not the newsrooms weren't full of men, but it was just, you know, when I'd go out and cover sports, it was so. I don't know. And I've always kind of felt comfortable around when around men, I spoke to a, a group recently, uh, like speaking engagement, and they had me out as a guest. And I hadn't really didn't know much about the group other than it was a breakfast club. And I showed up for a dinner. And they had a huge table looked like a wedding, just a huge table with a bunch of chairs. I think there was about 75 chairs, um, walk in, start meeting people. And then I realized I'm like, there's, there's not any other women in here. And like, turns out it was an all men's club that they had breakfast every day. They had people that would come to speak to them, cardiologists, financial advisors, and then they invited me and they were great. And they really wanted to know about the job and they really wanted to know what it was like to be a woman in sports and because they have women working in their offices. Um, and it just, it was so cool to me because it's like, we've come so far, you know, it's like to where I get invited to a dinner like this and they were really interested in what I had to say 
and were very kind and respectful and and I just and I held my own. They were super impressed by the way that I wasn't intimidated. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is what I do every day. Like I yeah, <laughs> this is this is what I do. Day. You guys don't scare me. Like what? Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's just uh, it's it's really cool to to know that we we have come that far and that that I you know I'm being invited and 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 you know the only it's like the the boys club. It's like I was invited in the boys club. Um, but that's that's just it, it goes you know it's not just everybody I, I worked for that I like we go back to what I was saying earlier like you have to earn that respect and, and people have to know that about you that you just can hold your own and be very comfortable and confident in whatever your surroundings are and so um yeah I am pretty confident in saying that last question comes from Alexis Pedraza 93 and okay. she says I aspire to be like you do you have any hey. tips Yes. Start studying. Um, and whatever age you are, I'm not talking about like, go make good math grades, which you should if you're in school, obviously, because you can't get a degree without good grades. You can't get into college without, you know, all of it. But I mean, Stay studying in school. sports. Yeah. But like studying sports. So what, you know, I, I go back to where I didn't watch a whole lot of TV. I didn't watch games, games. So um, I felt I knew sports because I played them and was around them, but you know, there's just so much to know about each sport and each athlete. And, and so the more I, I wish I would have read more, you know, and I'm, I'm in a really good spot now, but I, I can't ever stop knowing what's going on in the game and what's coming and what's been in the past. And it's all so important for you. So I'm not out here to tell you that guys are going to think that you don't know anything. Like I, I think we're, kind of pass a lot of that. I hope so anyway. It's just part of being good at your job. Like women, men, like we should all be studious and learn these games and and learn our past and, and what came before. So with me, it's like learning the Astros history has been really important. Um, and then, you know, just staying on it, saying who's coming up. And, and I say that for anyone that's up and coming, just start reading things, start reading box scores, start understanding, um, like just, just read the language and how things are written. Um, and also just be very adaptable, be very, you know, be ready, ready to adjust. I think that the industry changes faster than we're all ready for all the time. And so one thing I've had to do is just like, okay, what's next? Like, what do I have to be good at next? Twitter? Okay. Instagram? What? No, Facebook? Okay. You know, like it, you just, the social media side of things came along, but also like the way we do live TV, I think sports TV has changed a lot. Um, I think it will keep changing. We're all like cutting the cable now. What does that mean? Well, I know people are going to be watching their sports, but how, like we're good right now, what's in five years. So, you know, tips to that, just like be ready for anything and, and be ready to learn more than just one job because it, you know, it went from an, an industry where it seemed like, oh, there's all these jobs now. Like uh, when I first started, it was so competitive and then it was like all these jobs and now it seems to be going the other way. And they really want people to be able to do more than one thing. I'm talking shoot, edit all of that. So, um, so yeah, jump in, learn as much as you can do as many internships as you can, if you're at that level, because that really, really helped me. And then I had, I didn't really have any surprises once I got into the industry because I, I knew what I was getting myself into. And I had asked a lot of questions. That's my last thing. Ask questions. I mean, there's just no dumb questions. And if people are rude to you for it, like, forget, I'm like, what are we doing? It's just the way of the world. Like we're all trying to learn. We all want to go somewhere and be somebody and, um, and people should help you. So ask away. Ask me. Yeah, literally. Okay. And I think that goes off of what we were just talking about too. Like, don't feel intimidated to ever ask anything because like you said, if people are like unkind or rude, whatever, there's like a hundred more people who are willing to give you that advice yeah. and help. So for sure. go for it. 
Yes, yes. Alexis, rooting for you. Me too. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show today. I can't wait to get my Christmas you're card. Welcome. My virtual <laughs> Christmas card. Oh, you're very welcome. It's going to be a link, but yes, you're very oh, welcome. My virtual link. I'm very excited. <laughs> I click on it. No, thanks for having me. This is fun. And good questions. I'm impressed. Thank you. Love it. Yes, good vibes. <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in this week. For Julia Morales, I'm Amanda Smith. We'll catch you next time on How She Did It. <laughs>